Welcome to the latest podcast from Greyfriars Church in Reading. Our vision is to see Reading transformed by the love and power of Jesus. You can find out more on our website, greyfriars.org.uk. Enjoy. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Um, do you ever turn up to church and just think, oh, I kind of just want it to happen to me today? As in, like, you just want church to happen around you, and you might be sat there and think, just like, I'm just going to sit in my seat, and I'm going to be here for the next hour and 15 minutes, and then I'll go and pick the kids up, or I'll go and get a coffee, and then that'll be great, and then I'll go home, and nothing much will happen. (laughs) Sometimes we feel like that. Well, today I want to encourage you to go beyond that, (laughs) unsurprisingly, Um, and really engage with today, because we're going to do something a little bit different, a little bit more creative, um, and we're going to move into a time of kind of whole church Bible study. So I hope you have that passage still open in front of you. Uh, Matthew chapter 8. I hope you um, listened carefully as Sally was reading it because we're going to have a chat about it with the people around us. Um, We're going to have a chance to text in what you think because there's so much, I like to call it like gold within each one of you. Um, I'm no expert and if I stand here and teach you that's great but I think there's so much more that we can draw out on this theme of faith and from this passage from everyone here And if we just bring all of that together, it might just enrich and our kind of mourning together. So that's just to prep you. I'm going to give some context. I'm still going to introduce. I'm going to tell you what's going on in the passage. And then I'm going to give you some questions to reflect on. And then if you text them in, there'll be a a number up on the screen in a little while. Um, You just text in what you think of the passage um, after discussing it with the people around you. Does that make sense? So you're kind of now, you're now ready, you, you know what to expect, you know to listen to the introduction, you know to read the passage, you know to keep it open in front of you. Excellent. Um, we started with this question of like, what makes you go wow? What makes you say wow? Because of this passage, because of verse 10. Because in this passage, the thing that made Jesus go wow was the faith of this Roman centurion. This Roman centurion um, comes to him and has faith and then it said, when Jesus heard this, He was amazed. And there's that sense that I I would love my faith to amaze Jesus. Would you like to be in that place yourself where you show enough faith or the right kind of faith or whatever we want, however we want to put it, where Jesus says, wow, I love your faith. And it just amazes him. During this encounter, it's the faith of the centurion that makes Jesus go, wow. And so just that's kind of where we got there, and we're going to look at what that faith is, and we're going to explore together the idea of that faith. But just as we go through the passage, I'm going to give you a little bit of context, try and help you understand what's going on, uh, some of the kind of Bible study bits that you would need a Bible study book to go through if you wanted to understand it fully, um, and a little bit of context. So firstly, it's helpful to know where this passage sits in the grand scheme of, of the Bible and of, of Matthew's gospel. So we've just kind of finished the Sermon on the Mount, three chapters of Jesus teaching um, about what it means to live in the kingdom of God. And then what we get in Matthew chapter 8, if you have the Bible open in front of you, you will see is a set of healings in chapter 8. So firstly, it starts with this healing of a man with leprosy. And so Jesus touches him. And there's something really special about that touch and that physical contact and that closeness of a guy who hasn't been touched for years potentially because of this skin disease he's got. And Jesus is compassionate and touches him. And then the very next story is this one of a Roman centurion who there is no touch. There's not even a sea. He's not even in the same vicinity. He's not with him. 
And, and so there's this sense that you get this healing of someone who's intimately close and touching. And then there's the distance. Like, no matter how close you are to Jesus or how far you are away, there's still that sense that Jesus can bring healing. And then it goes on, and Jesus heals Peter's uh, mother-in-law. Um, and, and there's that sense that actually, even if he's healing someone who's, who's relationally close to him, someone who feels close, someone who he really cares about, and then straight afterwards, you've got crowds of people who may have never met Jesus before, and he's healing them. And again, there's that sense that no matter where you are on that spectrum, Jesus wants to engage with you. You are not too far away. You are not too close. You're not too distant from him in any way. But Jesus will bring healing and can bring healing to those in any of those situations. Um, and now let's just briefly look at the, the Roman centurion, because Jesus is the main character. Jesus is always the main character of the whole of the Bible. Um, but in this passage, you get another main character, don't you? You get the Roman centurion. Um, a centurion, um, as the name might suggest, is someone who has command of up to 100 soldiers. And so he has some authority in life, yeah? He has respect. He's almost like a, a boss of the area, like he knows what's going on. And it's quite amazing, because if you look at this passage, what he does is he says he came to Jesus to ask for help. There was this Roman centurion who has command over a whole, like half, like a small army, and he comes to Jesus to ask for help. I find that amazing in itself. He comes to a Jewish rabbi, a Roman soldier coming to a Jewish rabbi to ask for help. That already is quite an unusual scene. But then he goes right ahead and calls him Lord. And he does it twice. I love that, seeing people look down and finding it. Yes, he does it. He calls him Lord twice, which is, which is just crazy because he's a Roman centurion. There is only one Lord in Rome, especially if you work for them, and it's Caesar. And yet he comes to Jesus and says, Lord, I need your help. He's obviously seen something in Jesus that makes him think, I'm going to call him Lord. I'm, he, he's someone different. There's something about him. And then we get this moment that just blows Jesus away, this faith that he shows. And it starts with Jesus offering very kindly, I think, offering to come to his home. He says, Look, do you want me to come to your home and I'll heal your servant? And he says, I'm not worthy for you to enter my home. I'm not worthy for you to come to my home. And I think that's there's a lesson there for all of us, isn't there, that, that actually it's a great starting place of being, able to say, of being able to see Jesus for who he is and think, I'm not worthy. Like when we see Jesus in all his glory, when we see his power, we say, I'm not worthy. But he doesn't stop there. He says, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. I'm not worthy, but just say the word. And then he goes on to use this, this idea of, kind of the authority that a Roman soldier has. Like if I say to my soldiers, go, they go. And if I say, come, they come. And if I tell them to do this, they do it. And so what I think is you're top of the list because I've already called you Lord. And so when you say someone to go, they go. And when you say, come, they come. And so when you say, heal, they heal. And so Jesus, uses that, the centurion uses that argument um, of his own context and says, Jesus, this is you. So you can just say the word. And it will happen because I'm putting you at the top of the list. Like, you are Lord. You're in charge. So just say the word, and it's going to happen. And 
And that is the faith that blows Jesus away. That's the bit where it says Jesus was amazed because of the faith of the centurion. But Jesus doesn't stop there. And, and this is where it gets a little bit kind of a bit strange because you think Jesus might just go, brilliant, wonderful. Now, now go and, you know, your servant will be healed. But he has, he has a little dig at some, some like Jewish religious leaders at the same time, doesn't he? He, he uses this opportunity to do that. Um, where he says, um, like actually, talking about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and he goes on to say that you've had, that this Roman centurion has more faith than anyone that he's found in, in Israel at that point, which is mad. This Roman centurion has more faith than anyone that he's met in Israel. And and for the religious leaders, that's, that's a bit like, if you want to go modern-day analogy, it's a bit like saying Russian military commanders have more faith than archbishops and bishops around this country. Because it's like, these are the oppressors. The Roman centurions are the oppressors of the nation. And it's like saying, you know, you've got faith, but these guys. And then he goes on to say, um, actually... People like you are going to be part of the kingdom. He, he puts across this feast idea of feasting with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he goes on and says, people are going to come from all over the world. And, and so in a sense, it doesn't matter what your heritage is. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter that you're Jewish. Anyone can come in. And the, the answer is faith. And then he even twists the knife a bit more and talks about this, this image of hell, we might call it. Um, darkness and suffering. And he says, some of you are going to be there, essentially. And that will shock them, and it will really rile them up. But the gates of heaven are open, and it isn't our heritage or culture or birthright that will get us there. It's faith. I think that's part of what Jesus is saying here. The book of Hebrews, chapter 11, defines faith for us, in case you're not sure what faith is. It says it's being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we cannot see sure of what we hope for and certain of what we cannot see. And that's true of the centurion, isn't it? He was sure that Jesus was going to heal. He was sure of it. And he was so certain that he didn't even need to be there. There's that sense of faith being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you cannot see. And then finally, and we barely mentioned it, even though it's the greatest part of the thing in a way, but, but it's not because the faith is, it's, it's the healing. The healing actually happens. <laughs> We can get lost in the, in the faith bit, but the healing, does, the healing does happen. The man goes home and his faith is rewarded and his servant is healed because of the faith. And Jesus credits his faith. Go in faith. No, he doesn't say that, does he? See, this is why you need to have the, pa uh, the passage open in front of you. Um, go, it will be done just as you believed it, was, it would. And his servant was healed at that very moment. So the... the the focus of this passage is on the faith of the centurion. And so I'd love us just to have a chance to chat about that with, us, with the people around us. Um, there's going to be some questions up on the screen. Dan's going to put them up. Uh, so the first thing is kind of what, what stands out to you from this passage? Like, basically, what, what is it that grips you? What, what have you noticed in here? What, what's interesting in here? The second one, what would this kind of faith look like for you? So we're getting a bit more personal there. What would it actually look like? Uh, for you to have this kind of faith, what does that look like in our culture, in our context? And have you ever been amazed by someone's faith? Like tell each other stories of, of faith, of times of faith that you've seen or read about or anything like that. Um, and there's a number on the screen. 
uh, you can text in your responses to. If you're, if you're at home and you're working online, not working online, if you're here online, um, you can also join in. You should be able to use the YouTube chat to talk to each other. I don't know where that is on your device, but it'll be somewhere. Um, and also, you can still text in. Um, join, open the passage, text in your thoughts, and all of that. Um, so, and then I'll just... John and I will gather some of those thoughts together, and, and I don't really have a place that we're landing because it's going to be led by you. Does that make sense? So whatever you text in, whatever you send in as your messages, that's kind of where we'll land, where we'll say, look, this is coming. Isn't this brilliant? Look at this faith. This, listen to this faith story. And then we'll just bring it all together. Um, and so can I encourage you to text in during this time as well? You've kind of got 10, 15 minutes, I guess. Is that about right, John? Yeah. Um, to, to text. So don't leave it all to the last minute because otherwise we won't know what we're saying until we get up here. Um, but as things come up, which often happens, um, but as things come up, just text them in, just little thoughts, um, and then we'll just be able to bring it all together um, and have a go at that. Does that make sense? Uh, so find some people around you. If you want to do it on your own, that's absolutely fine. You've got permission to do that, no problem. You can still text in. But if you want to do it with the people around you, find some, some space, find some, if you use the atrium if you feel you want to, that's absolutely fine. Um, just have a go at some of these questions and text in what you think. Wonderful. Thank you so much for all of your messages. Um, it's quite overwhelming reading them all. As you can imagine, there's a lot. Um, but I'm just going to kind of pick out a couple of the, the themes. So sorry if I don't read out your message. There were literally tens, like up to, you know, there were, there were lots. So I might not read out yours exactly, but there's, there's a few themes that came through, and I just want to highlight them. Um, the first one is this kind of idea of faith in humility. The, the, the Roman centurion comes and says, I'm not able to, like, I'm not worthy for you to come into my home, but. And there's that kind of connection between faith and humility, this sense of lowering ourselves and saying, God, I'm not worthy, and yet I still believe. Um, and I think that's the experience of us as Christians, isn't it? It's, 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 it almost goes back to the first thing that Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall inherit the kingdom of God. And so there's that sense that we... Um, as we lower ourselves, we kind of come with open hands of faith and say, I haven't got anything to offer, but I trust that you will, you will hear me um, and that I can receive from you. And so that was one of the, the themes that came through. Um, another of the themes um, was this idea of risk. And I hadn't talked about this, um, but the, the centurion was risking potentially his life by calling Jesus Lord, by coming to a Jack Jewish rabbi in the way that he did. There was that risk that he had in his life. Um, and he was willing to, to lay it all down. To, he was willing to just say, Look, I'm, I'm almost at my wits. I'm, I'm desperate. I'm, I'm going to take this risk and put something on the line to show that my faith is real. And, and I think there's something in that, in that when we, when we take a risk, faith often comes with a risk, doesn't it? That we have to step out in some way. We have to put something on the line. We have to lower ourselves. We, whether that's like our, what people perceive of us, what they think of us, um, our money or our, our time or whatever it is. We have to risk something a lot of the time when we step out in faith. And I thought that was a really interesting observation um, from this, that he was risking something as a centurion by coming to Jesus. And then another theme, and, th and this one I think comes out in a few different passages, but this one in particular is that he had faith on behalf of someone else, and he came on behalf of someone else, 
And I think there's an encouragement there for us. If we are praying for someone um, who maybe doesn't know Jesus or doesn't have any faith, and, and we are praying for them or we are showing faith on behalf of someone else. I can't claim to know exactly how the dynamics of all of this works. And we've not got time to go into the, the idea of healing and, and why some get healed and why some don't and all of that. And that's very complex and, and you know, that's, very, that's a lot for this, this morning. But he honored the faith of the centurion, the servant received healing. And so I just want to encourage you today um, that you can have faith on behalf of someone else in whatever way that looks like, whatever that means, um, and pray for them. And, and lift them up before Jesus. And then there was one I just wanted to read out because I think what John says, this is kind of, it, it almost epitomizes our um, journey as Christians in faith, our discipleship journey. It says, although I've been a Christian for all my life, my trust has been in myself. I thought I had faith, but I had tried to control my life. God has been teaching me that I need to trust him my circumstances have been painful, but he's showing me how to have faith for more and more. My health, my family, my all. And I think that's just a, like, thank you to whoever sent that in. Like, that's a really real example of, of what it means to have faith. And, and to be a disciple of Jesus, I think we'll all go through those times when we think, um, like, I don't have any faith. Or our faith goes up or down. Or Jesus is teaching me how to have more and more faith in him. And I think going on that journey is what being a Christian is. So if you're sat here today and you think, I just don't have much faith, then take heart from this, from this passage and from this text that says, Jesus is teaching me. I feel like I've been a Christian all my life, but I don't know what that looks like or I haven't always trusted God. Um, I, I would encourage you today just to, just to say, God, please take me on the next step. Help me to take that next step of faith. Um, because we know from other passages that faith as small as a mustard seed can move mountains. It just so happens that the, the, the faith of centurion was also massive and was in the right thing because it was in Jesus. Um, but I would say if, if, all, if all you've got is a mustard seed today, put that faith in Jesus and that will be enough. And, and as you go through life and your discipleship journey, Jesus will teach you faith and show you faith and, and you'll just take steps in the right direction. Um, and so be encouraged. It's, it's, that's, that's what it is to be a Christian, to hand these things over to Jesus. So let's just um, do that together in prayer for a moment. God, we come today in humility, saying we have nothing to offer, but asking for help with open hands of faith, ready to receive your gifts. Lord, wherever we are in our faith journey, take us to the next step inspire us and encourage us, comfort us. And increase our faith. That we would take risks for you. Be willing to step out in the name of Jesus.
and make a difference in this world through our faith. So, Lord, as we come with open hands of faith to communion, we just receive your gifts today. We receive you and know that our faith and our trust is put in you. In Jesus' name, amen.